1: Central African time good afternoon and welcome to Africa Digest this is Channel Africa from an African perspective we're broadcasting to you from our studios in Johannesburg South Africa and you can find us on www.channelafrica.co.za my name is Samora Magesi and I'm in studio with Jolani Tulo as well as Nusilya Zuma top stories on Africa Digest at this hour Nigeria is experiencing a steady rise in the number of COVID-19 cases South Africa's Institute of Race Relations welcomes declaring the current lockdown regulations unconstitutional and invalid. And medical authorities in South Sudan have denied social media reports that corona testing kits used by health officials in the country are substandard. Right now though, let's cross on over to the news desk. Here's Joel Anitulo with your latest news bulletin.
2: SABC News. Independent and from an african from perspective,
3: perspective. perspective. Thank you, Samora. Good afternoon. South Africa's government has agreed that not forcing people into state quarantine facilities should be made a court order. The application, which Lobby Group Affair Forum brought, challenged regulations which gave the state the power to force anyone who tested positive for COVID nineteen into compulsory state quarantine. The High Court in Pretoria has ruled that this was not permissible. According to its ruling, to successfully quarantine a patient needs access to a separate room and the ability to contact or get to a health facility if their condition worsens. Two doctors in the Limpopo province accused the provincial health department of forcing them into quarantine about two months ago. AfriForum's Monique Tout says this is a victory for supporters of human rights.
4: And the judge granted AfriForum's urgent application to declare that the regulations that were aimed at putting everyone who tested positive for COVID-19 under compulsory state quarantine invalid. The Department failed to oppose AfriForum's application and the Minister agreed that AfriForum's application should be made an order of court, um, which determines that the regulation should be read in such a manner that people who are able to effectively self-isolate be able to do so.
3: The authorities in Lesotho have confirmed the arrest of the former First Lady Maesaya Tabane. They say the move comes after the appeals court revoked her bail. She is charged with ordering the killing of Dibulilo Tabane, who was shot near her home in the Lesotho's capital, Maseru, in June 2017. Thomas Tabane resigned as Prime Minister last month. He's also a suspect in the murder. He has denied any involvement and has yet to be formally charged. Rabelang Kadebe reports.
5: It's back to square one for the former First Lady of Lesotho. Maesau Taban was able to present herself before the expiration of the three days court's deadline. While Taban is remanded in custody until 16th June 2020, she is likely to attempt a fresh bail application to avoid further incarceration. After revocation of her earlier bail granted by the High Court, the Apex Court earlier then set stringent conditions ordering that the former First Lady's bail hearing must be in front of a different magistrate and in an open court.
3: The Nigerian Center for Disease Control, NCDC, says at least 812 health workers have tested positive for the coronavirus in the country. Chief Executive Chigwe Ihekwezu said that 29 of the infected health workers are staff at the agency. Nigeria has confirmed 10,819 cases and 314 deaths so far. In April, the Nigerian Medical Association attributed the infection of frontline health workers to a lack of adequate protection. However, the centre said it had distributed 40,000 pieces of personal protective equipment to workers. Unions of health workers in some states have threatened strike action over a lack of adequate protective gear. Gambia's government says it wants the U.S. to conduct a transparent and credible investigation into the death of its citizen in the city of Atlanta. In a statement, the foreign ministry says the victim, 39-year-old Momodou Sise, died on the 29th of May. The Reuters news agency reports that the victim is the son of a Gambian diplomat who was shot by a police officer following a car chase. Georgia Bureau of Investigation has said in a statement that Cissé refused to stop when pulled over for vehicle license violation. And finally, China has told Britain to stop immediately interfering in Hong Kong's affairs. A foreign ministry spokesperson says London should respect the fact that Hong Kong has been returned to China. Earlier, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warned Beijing that if it imposed new security laws on the semi-autonomous territory, his country would have no choice but to offer millions of people there a route to UK citizenship. Speaking in Beijing, Hong Kong's chief executive Carrie Lam said the central government would not back down down on plans for national security legislation.
6: The international community and some of the foreign governments have been adopting blatant double standards in dealing with this matter and commenting on this matter. It is within the legitimate jurisdiction of any country to enact laws to protect and safeguard national security.
3: USA is no exception. UK is no exception. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
2: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an
3: African perspective. perspective.
1: Nigeria has been experiencing a steady rise in the number of COVID-19 infections across the country following the changes introduced to make it possible for more tests to be done and safeguard against high risk for the citizenry. With the number rising above 10,000, Abuja has introduced more measures, but with a relaxed tampering so that religious activities can go on in the face of the need for faith-based intervention, which is one way Nigerians have often dealt with harsh conditions from time. Channel Africa's correspondent in Lagos, Collins Nosato Hengbe, reports that air transportation is expected to commence later in June, but service providers are apprehensive of the problems they may be faced with at the resumption of duty.
7: No one expected that the fight against COVID-19 was going to be a piece of cake, but there has often been this call for a human face to the application of the rules, which puts all and sundry in a lockdown while government health agencies battle to contain the spread of infection. Right from February 27, when the index case was announced, there have been a steady growth in the number of infected persons and the guidelines needed to keep everyone in check in a nation where family life is more of a communal living coupled with crowded business environment the first phase included social distancing stringent lockdown rules and a ban on interstate movement all which are still part of the second phase which implementation has taken off now the chairman of the presidential task force on the pandemic boss mustafa says though there is ample room to heave a sigh of relief covid-19 is not going to go away any soon.
8: Based on the overall assessment, including available data, Nigeria is ready to allow science and data determine how cautious advancement into the second phase of the eased lockdown for a period of four weeks and our advancement to phase two does not mean that covid-19 has ended it is still potent and highly wasteful of
7: human life it is because of this nature which presents a phase of a slow poison that has prompted the introduction of measures to keep track of the infection rates while maintaining high level of safety to reduce casualties. Mustafa ruled out some of the measures that must be observed in addition to those already being implemented across the country. The guidelines now allow churches and mosques to open within specific time frames.
8: Application of science and data to guide the targeting of areas of ongoing high transmission of COVID-19. Mobilization of all resources at state and local government levels to create public awareness and improve compliance with non-pharmaceutical interventions within communities. Sustainance of key non-pharmaceutical interventions that would apply nationwide. Relaxation of restriction on places of worship. Manage access to markets and locations of economic activity to limit the risk of transmission.
7: The most vulnerable people whose role have remained that of mingling with infected persons because of their duty to humanity are the health workers, which has a record of over 8,000 infected persons within its rank. Chikwe Ihe the director of the National Center for Disease Control with Suppressed Emotion says these are people who also have families just like every other Nigerian.
5: We now have the third highest number of confirmed cases on the continent, just after South Africa and Egypt. It means that there's an added responsibility for us to work harder every day. We've had 812 812 healthcare workers infected. They're not just numbers. 29 of these work for the Nigeria Center for Disease Control. They're people I know. They have families, wives, children. But eight of them, right now, are in the due treatment center.
7: Minister of Health, Osage Hanire, on whose shoulder the war to clear the coast over COVID-19 rest says more workers have been trained to help reduce the stress on the existing number of health workers and make service available to the nation as there continue to be reports of new infections daily. One major development in the second phase of the fight to curb the pandemic is the promise to lift the ban on air transportation in the country. The idea is to ensure that when the ban is lifted on the 21st of June, there will be a level playing ground for all service providers to operate unhindered but within operational guidelines. Some of those on the first public contact lists, like airport taxi operators, have been expressing their apprehension once work resumes. The impact
2: has been huge since about three months. The entire system is been on lockdown.
5: You have to continue to pay salaries. Your equipment, even though you are not running them, you cannot close down your facility totally. You have to continue to consume power you know, to run some basic systems and then keep items in place to ensure that in the event that you have to reopen, there will be just minimal things that you have to do. Uh, opening on
2: 21st is not going to be an issue to us, but what we pray that the business should
5: just pick up by his grace. The management of funds, they are still telling us the 60000 other we do pay, we should come and pay them after this one month, when we are even looking for
7: money. To feed them, not even the debt. The debt, which resulted from a no business situation since the lockdown, is what has created the need for a smart review so that people who depend on daily earnings to keep body and soul together can meet their domestic responsibilities. Boss Mustafa says it will be imperative for all and sundry to follow the guidelines, which will be subject to review when necessary. The
8: fight against this pandemic is not a job. We urge all citizens. To religiously implement applicable guidelines at specific phases of the battle. It is also important to stress the fact that the presidential task force shall keep the option of a review open should the need arise.
7: For Nigeria has a total of 10,819 suspected cases. 7,266 are active. 3,239 have been discharged after treatment, but sadly. A casualty rate of 314 deaths. States and local government authorities have been enjoined to take the monitoring of guidelines seriously to ensure compliance. From Lagos, Nigeria, I'm Collins nosato for Channel Africa News.
1: South African Institute of Race Relations has welcomed the judgment delivered by Gauteng Division of the High Court declaring the current lockdown regulations unconstitutional and invalid. The Liberty Fighters Network won a court challenge to have Level 3 and 4 lockdown regulations declared unconstitutional and invalid. The IRR says this confirms the constitutional and legal analyses it published more than a month ago, concluding that the lockdown regulations failed to pass constitutional muster. Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Minister Nkosa Azlamini Zuma has been given 14 days to formulate changes to the regulations. However, in the meantime, the current lockdown regulations will still apply. To discuss this further, we're joined on the line by Harman Pretorius, the IRR Deputy Head of Policy Research. Harman, thank you very much for joining us.
9: Good evening, Zora. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Now, the Institute of Race Relations has welcomed the judgment delivered by the Gauteng Division of the High Court, declaring the current lockdown regulations unconstitutional. Could you tell us more?
9: Well, I think um, it it became clear um, very early on in this lockdown process that there were going to be fundamental questions to be asked about state power. Now, I think every single South African would acknowledge that in a time of disaster or in a time of crisis, the government really does need to act drastically and swiftly. But then once the immediate threat is relieved, once the, uh, the better understanding perhaps of the threat uh, takes hold, then it really becomes an issue as to whether the government can give back to the people the power that it took from them, uh, which we all, I, th- I think, um, can agree on is reasonable. Because we must remember, the only power government has is the power that the people give it.
1: Mm. And what aspects of the regula- regulations do you deem to be unconstitutional?
9: Well, um, I, I think a, a, the, a few of the regulations are especially identified in the judgment um, but i think if you look at the court order the court um hold, holds that that all um regulations um um in uh, after you know level 4 level 3 level 2 1 all of them are in fact um irrational so uh, w- while the judgment does identify some measures or some regulations that could on the face of it be considered mm-hmm. rational all of the regulations have been declared invalid. And the reason for that is, of course, that the court um, argued, I think, unorthodoxly, uh, in an unorthodox manner. I don't think in an incorrect manner, even though I see there is some... Uh, severe criticism of the judgment. But what the Mm -hmm. court essentially said is that if you're going to make these types of regulations, your first port of call as a minister is to think what will be the constitutional implications of this. The court found that this was not done and therefore that the initial conception of the regulations did not take into account the constitutional element and therefore that's irrational. And from that irrational initial act, all succeeding regulations fail the test of rationality. All right, so now let's just break
1: it down in layman's terms. What does this actually mean in terms of the judgment? What does it mean?
9: It means that the uh, Cogta minister, uh, she has uh, two weeks to um, essentially go back to the drawing board with these regulations so that it could uh, satisfy a court in about two weeks' time, probably, uh, that she did, in fact, now consider the constitutional approach. Um, or the constitutional implications because the judgment is quite scathing saying that it seems that the government did not think how can we achieve a specific objective and on our way to that objective infringe on as few constitutional rights as possible rather says the court the government thought there's our objective we will do whatever needs to be done to get there and we will worry about the constitutional issues or the constitutional rights later so that's really what the minister needs to prove is that she can create these new sets of regulations based on constitutional considerations as well as the disaster considerations from the Disaster Management Act.
1: Right. And now the Institute says that the judgment also confirms the constitutional and legal analyses it published more than a month ago. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, What were the findings of this analysis?
9: Yes, you see, um, the Constitutional Court in South Africa um, a few years ago, I can't remember the exact case, but the the rationality test, really the the question uh, as to whether a constitutional right has been infringed on and whether that's acceptable um, or justifiable, really um, consists of a two-part test. Firstly, it's, of course, the question of whether a constitutional right has been infringed on. And then secondly, if so... Uh, in terms of section 37, uh, excuse me, th- section 36 of the constitution, the question is then, is this infringement um, justifiable? And what we, What what the Institute said a month ago is that the justifiability includes this proportionality element to say that if you're going to infringe on, for example, someone's uh, right to work or right to uh, freedom of movement, freedom to worship, if you're going to infringe on them, there needs to be a proportional connectivity or a connection saying that by infringing on this right, a specific disaster objective is achieved. And that's really the heart of the issue. The c- clarity between objective and the measure to which people's rights were infringed was never made clear. I think, for example, the, the smoking ban or the cigarette ban or the tobacco ban, whatever you want to call it, the, there's no clear connection between that regulation and the objective of defeating COVID. Uh, there's no clear um, objective or connection in uh, saying, you know, that this section of the economy can work and that section not between, uh, you know, uh, defeating COVID or not defeating COVID. So you need to consider the proportionality where a constitutional right is infringed on whether something sensible can be achieved by that infringement. And our analysis, uh, analysis a month ago said that is not the case. The proportionality test cannot be met. And the court has shown us right in that judgment.
1: All right, uh, Herman, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, and have a lovely evening. You too. And that was Herman Pretorius, Deputy Head of Policy Research at the Institute of Race Relations in South Africa. The time is now 17.20 Central African time. We'll be back right after this with more Africa Digest.
2: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
5: What do we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
2: to our people the government concurs with the views of the black economic empowerment
7: council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on black economic empowerment more explicit last may i asked constituencies at netler to discuss youth employment incentives i'm pleased that discussion have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs.
5: I've
2: tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were in and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa.
8: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on internet and satellite from an African perspective.
4: Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective.
3: Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa.
2: We love
4: Channel Africa from an African perspective.
2: Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus, also called COVID-19, for Channel Africa from Planta in Malawi, I am George Mohango. Washing your hands with soap and water or using alcohol-based hand rub kills viruses that may be on your hands.
1: Ahead of Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance third donor pledging conference tomorrow, Doctors Without Borders or MSF's access campaign has urged global leaders and Gavi to ensure that any future COVID-19 vaccines are sold at cost and are accessible to all. To date, governments and philanthropies have given over four, uh, four point accessible to all. Uh, 4.4 billion US dollars rather, to pharmaceutical corporations for research and development for COVID-19 vaccines. To discuss this further, we're joined on the line by Kate Elder, Senior Vaccines Policy Advisor for MSF's Access Campaign. Kate, thank you very much for joining us.
10: Thank you for having me. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon to you too. Now, what do you make of the position some heads of state have taken about the future COVID-19 vaccines as the race for an effective vaccine is underway in different parts of the world?
10: I think these are extremely important things that we've been hearing from global leaders, from heads of state presidents, as well as um, heads of global health institutions, that this really needs to be a global public good, that this is the people's vaccine, so to speak, and that all efforts need to be made to make sure that when we do have the first COVID-19 vaccine, that they are accessible to all, not just going to the people that pay the highest dollar and are the first in line. Of course, the devil is in the details, so to speak, and um, how those big political statements actually translate into hard actions and concrete plans is the big question. So We're, we're following that quite closely.
1: All right. And uh, what are some of the potential problems that you think could arise uh, with Gavi's current funding mechanism for COVID-19 vaccine?
10: Well, one big thing is, of course, we already, I think many people around the world are watching as some big high-income countries already try to make advanced purchases on future COVID-19 vaccines. We don't even have a vaccine yet, but some countries with a lot of money are already putting it on the table to try and secure um, future doses um, and acting in a very nationalist um, approach, um, which, of course, is, is not good for the rest of the world. So the steps that Gavi is trying to make uh, with the new funds that they're launching tomorrow at their replenishment, they're calling it the COVAX facility, is they're trying to get as many countries to join as possible, a big pool that Gavi will then um, use to negotiate with industry. Uh, this is an important step for sure, but I think we need to take a step back. The first thing is to take a step, step back and see what can we do, what tools do we have, have to try and mandate that industry doesn't just sell to the highest bidder and makes as much supply as possible um, for the entire world, right? And and the first step that we should have done, one step that we haven't seen enough progress on, is dealing with the intellectual property of um, on these vaccines that the companies are pursuing. If it truly is indeed the people's vaccine and a common public good, Well, how do we sort of square that, so to speak, with the fact that there has been no change in how we're dealing with intellectual property? And ultimately, in fact, these vaccines will be proprietary. They will be the property of these companies. So the first step that we should be doing is trying to take new, more progressive steps to dealing with intellectual property. One, pushing industry to not pursue patents, to not pursue monopolies on these vaccines, and then two, um, for governments to not grant them, as governments are the ones that grant monopolies uh, through the patent system. So that would be the first step. Gavi has not been dealing with that, which is unfortunate. Um, what they're trying to do is get together a big kitty of funding and see what they can negotiate with industry based upon how much they can raise and put in the pot. Um, so since that's the step that they're at, I think we need to mandate a couple of things. One, any company that gets this funding should be required that they have to participate in technology transfer. What does that mean? That means taking their technology and um, collaborating with other manufacturers that could produce that vaccine. That will help us to to mitigate the supply shortages. Um, so that should be absolutely essential for any money that Gavi gives industry to transparency. Uh, as you said at the top of the call, well, we don't think that profits should be made in a pandemic. We don't think that companies should have this be you know business as usual. That they should only be charging an at cost price. The world should only be paying to cover the costs of making these vaccines. Companies should not be making a profit. So in order to do that, we have to mandate that there's transparency. The prices that companies charge should be required um, to be substantiated with transparent scrutiny of company books to see how much did it cost them to actually make these vaccines, the research and development funding, and how much does it cost to make each dose. And based upon that, we should be able to decide if that price is fair um, for the rest of the world. So Gavi should also be mandating that transparency. And of course, whatever uh, supply agreements they ultimately end up signing with these companies, those should also be transparently um, available to the public uh, to scrutinize as well. So Gavi is uh
1: Hello, Kate. Kate, are you there? Unfortunately, it seems like we have lost Kate Elder. Uh but uh she's the Senior Vaccines Policy Advisor for Doctors Without Borders or MSF's Access Campaign. Talking to us uh about, you know, the Vaccines Alliance third donor pledging conference, which is happening tomorrow, and the access campaign that has urged global leaders and Gavi to ensure that any further COVID-19 vaccines are sold at cost. The time is now 17.28 Central African time. Right after this, we're going to be crossing over to the news desk, which Walani Tula is standing by to let us know what is happening in your latest news headlines. (music)
0: Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor.
11: Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here.
0: Palesa Mukubung, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event.
3: I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile.
7: Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host,
1: Aburengwi. Join me on Channel Africa every thursday morning between eight and nine and on saturday and sunday morning between nine and ten rise africa rise
6: channel africa from an african perspective
2: sabc news independent
5: and impartial. from an African from a, from perspective.
3: perspective. Good afternoon, making headlines. South Africa's government has agreed that not forcing people into state quarantine facilities should be made an order of court. The authorities in Lesotho have confirmed the arrest of the former First Lady Maesaya Tabani. And finally, the Nigerian Centre for Disease Control says at least 812 health workers have tested positive for the coronavirus in the country. For Channel Africa, I'm Cholani Tulo.
7: S.A.B.C.
2: News, independent and impartial. From an African
6: perspective.
1: perspective. Moving on right now. Medical authorities in South Sudan have denied social media reports that corona testing kits used by health officials in the country are substandard. The media alleged that the Chinese-made kits can one, can only identify 30% of coronavirus. To tell us more here is
5: James Shimanyula. According to international microbiology experts, accurate corona test kits should have at least 90% sensitivity to the virus and not 30% as alleged by South Sudan social media. The social media reports come at a time when Spain and the Czech Republic have reportedly found test kits imported from China substandard. However, top medical doctors in South Sudan say corona test kits used in the country are of international standards. Dr. Bior Kur Bior, Director at South Sudan National Public Health Laboratory, where coronavirus tests are carried out, refers to the social media allegation and puts the record straight to the extent that test kits used in the country are are of international standards.
11: I know there's a lot of talk in the public out there that somehow maybe the test is not correct. The same instrument, lab-to-instrument that we are using in South Sudan are the one being used in Uganda, Kenya, all over the world. We are using the latest technology.
5: Shedding light on the number of times that corona tests are done, Dr. Bior said.
11: We do twice or three times, just to be sure. For those going under case management, we keep testing them just to make sure that if the virus is still in the system or had the body gotten rid of it. The individual that has been declared free were tested many times, were tested positive after they were isolated at the John Grant unit. So there's no question about the reliability of this test.
5: Dr. Richard Lacour, a member of South Sudan Task Force responsible for releasing results of tests, has made the following important announcement pertaining to the very results.
9: Results are only and only issued by the Public Health Authority. Even those alerts that will be declared positive to be reported in the, in the, the high-level task force, it must originate from the lab, from, we have a team there that are responsible and they issue that lab through the incident manager, and the release.
5: Dr. James chan Jock, head of South Sudan's National Rapid Response Team, Explains how medical doctors operate at the John Garang infectious disease unit where corona patients are quarantined.
2: Doctors function in IDU, which is your garang infectious disease, to manage the patients. To manage all these signs and symptoms, whatever is shortness of breathing, the patient will be put on oxygen. Whatever is a fever and all this, the patient will be given some medication to relieve
5: from all this. Dr. Abdo Sevoshise who works at the Juba Infectious Disease Unit, speaks about the speed at which his staff work to deal with emergency cases of coronavirus.
11: If a patient is confirmed to be positive and the rapid response team think that a patient needs to be admitted at Juba Infectious Disease Unit, we send the ambulance to pick him and uh, doctors and nurses at Infectious Disease Unit mobilize themselves, they put on the protective gear and receive the patient, they take his history. They take his uh, vital signs and uh, do a quick triage before admitting him in level 1 intensive care unit or in a general ward.
5: Dr. Sevoshise emphasizes that doctors pay regular visits to patients to check on their conditions.
11: Every morning we have to also make sure we are, are protected before we go to see the patient, collect their daily vital signs give them medication when it's required, and uh, provide psychosocial support for those uh, who are admitted at Juba IDU. Some of the patients require special monitoring and special treatment, like being on oxygen, more than others, at what I call level 1, because it's just a room with oxygen with additional monitoring devices for blood pressure, for pulse, for oxygen saturation in one room. And uh, we call it level 1 because of the uh, number of times that necessary and doctors have to enter that room to make sure that the patient's oxygen that is supplied to him is working adequately or he needs additional support but also for patients who require another specific supportive treatment if they have severe malaria if they have diabetes or hypertension and they need a special follow-up we put them in that particular room
5: up to now in south sudan like in other countries in the world There is no cure for coronavirus, but Dr. Sevoshise says medical staff provide psychosocial support to corona patients in Africa's newest nation.
11: At the moment, there is no treatment. We do what we call supportive treatment meaning we treat the symptoms that the patient has if the patient come with uh, signs of uh, severe malaria then we go ahead and treat severe malaria if the patient has diabetes and been confirmed covid-19 we focus on management of diabetes To allow the body to remain in good shape.
5: That was Dr. Abdo Sevosishe, who works at South Sudan's Juba Infectious Disease Unit. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula.
6: Estate agents
1: in South Africa are relieved to be back at work under Alert Level 3 in terms of the new regulations published on the 28th of May 2020. The the regulations explicitly state that businesses and other institutions may operate, except in the case of short-term home sharing, letting, leasing and rental for leisure purposes. This implies that most estate agents are now permitted to operate their normal functions. Talk to us more about this. We are now joined on the line by Lavashni Mandri, Senior Associate in the Property development De, property Department at uh, Adams & Adams. Lavashni, thank you very much for joining us.
12: Good evening and thank you for having me.
1: Now, Lavashni, the real estate agents are back at work under Level 3 of the nationwide lockdown. What does this mean for the industry?
12: Okay, so this is great news for the property industry. Um, are we are excited about the estate agents being back at work Homeowners who want to sell their properties, tenants can now approach an estate agent to assist them with their property-related needs. Residential and commercial real estate activities are permitted under Alert Level 3. And estate agents can now take prospective buyers to physically view a property.
11: All right.
1: and uh, Tell us more about the regulations under Level 3 for the estate agents.
12: Okay, so the regulations state that businesses and other institutions may operate, except for in the case of estate agents who deal with short-term home sharing, letting, leasing, and rental for leisure purposes. So it implies that most estate agents are now permitted to up- perform their normal functions, except for if it's letting or rental for leisure purposes.
1: And submissions were made to government by the real estate industry and the national property practitioners council to motivate the reopening of the real estate under uh you know under level four of the lockdown what were the reasons why the industry couldn't operate under level four
12: okay well that's a good question it seems that it was an oversight at the time um as conveyances we expected the deeds or the real estate industry to open during alert level four in alignment with the opening of the deeds offices as well as conveyances going back to work. It did not make sense that deeds offices as well as the conveyances were allowed to operate, but the first link in the chain being the estate agents were not permitted to operate.
6: Mm,
1: and lastly, talk to us about the contribution of this industry to the economy.
12: Okay, the real estate industry is a vital link in property transactions. They feed the property market, and by doing so, they stimulate other industries and businesses, such as your banks, your mortgage originators, and conveyancers. Without estate agents, these industries and businesses risk coming to a standstill. There would have been a knock-on effect, which would have been detrimental to the economy, had the estate agents not been allowed to come back to work. So, estate agents are essential to enable the rest of the value chain in the property market to operate. And now that the estate agents are able to facilitate property transactions, we hope to see an increase in the activity levels in the property market.
1: Now, Lavashni, in terms of actually being able to view places, what um, what regulations are going to be put in place by real estate agents to make sure that uh, we we continue to curb the spread of COVID-19?
12: Okay, viewings should be made by appointment only. So one agent and possibly two clients only. And agents may not travel with clients to view the property, so they must travel in separate vehicles, and they must sanitize hands before or after viewing properties. Face masks must be worn at all times. There shouldn't be physical contact at all. And they should disclose, agents should disclose protocols of the viewings to all its effective buyers.
1: All right, Lavashni, thank you very much for joining us.
12: Thank you for having me.
1: And that was Lavashni Mandri, Senior Associate in Property Department at the South African law firm Adams & Adams.
5: For your latest update on the novel coronavirus, also called COVID-19, for Channel Africa, I am James Shimanyula in Nairobi, Kenya. Maintain at least one meter, that is three feet distance, between yourself and anyone who is coughing or sneezing.
1: Scores of Gambians are expected to join the rest of the world in protest against the alleged killings of African-Americans at the hands of the police. The past week has seen protests against police violence in dozens of major cities across the United States after footage appeared online showing a U.S. police officer, Derek Chauvin, resting his knee on the neck of George Floyd, an African-American who eventually died. As the protests over Floyd's murder continue, human rights activists in the Gambia are also planning a protest that will be held outside the U.S. Embassy in the capital, Banjul. For more on the planned protest, Channel Africa's Kumbelo spoke to Madi Jobarte, uh, the organizer
6: of the protest. Show. show.
2: Do you have a permission to hold this protest, Mr. Jobarty? Now, you spoke earlier about uh, the death of uh, the Gambian, Momodo Lamine Sisei, son of a UN diplomat, Larry Sisei, who was allegedly shot dead by the police in Georgia. I can imagine Gambians must be angry at this alleged murder. Talk to us about the circumstances surrounding his death as you know them. Now, are you optimistic that a credible investigation will be held into his murder? Because I see that uh, the Gambian government has also joined in calling on the U.S. government to investigate uh, his murder. Are you optimistic that uh, the investigation into his murder will be held?
6: show.
1: And That was Madi Jabote, a human rights activist in the Gambia on the line from the capital, Banjul, talking to Kumbelo Munjelele. The time is now 17.49 Central African time. Let's cross on over to the economics desk. Here is Nosille Zuma.
0: Thank you, Samora. Good evening. Global stock markets have registered moderate gains as they recover from the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The main indices in New York and Germany are more than 40% higher than their lower points in March. The London market is also up by more than a quarter. The BBC's Andrew Walker reports.
1: The day-to-day gains in stock markets have generally been moderate. Tokyo and New York, for example, ended their latest sessions about 1% higher. But the increases add up. Global share prices are now substantially above their lows. The gains partly reflect the tentative steps being taken in many countries to ease the public health-related restrictions, allowing significant amounts of commercial activity to resume. Markets have also been helped by central bank actions, with interest rate cuts and additional quantitative easing, buying assets in the financial markets.
0: South African banks, APSA, NetBank, and Rand Merchant Bank have responded to the new charge sheet that the Competition Commission has filed, accusing 28 local and international banks of manipulating the foreign exchange rate relating to the Rand. The new charge sheet follows the Competition Appeals Court ruling last year, in which it instructed the Commission to provide more clarification about its charges. During arguments in court, the legal representatives of the international banks argued that the Commission had no jurisdiction over activities that take place outside the country net bank and rand merchant bank first rand bank and standard bank are the new additions to the latest charge sheet against the alleged currency manipulation cartel case which dates back to 2014 now reports rand merchant bank says its internal investigation has found no wrongdoing or unethical behavior on its part.
3: The bank says it investigated this matter in detail when publicity around it first emerged in 2015. APSA indicated that it has proactively cooperated with the Competition Commission from the onset of its investigation and will continue to do so through the tribunal. NetBank says it is not yet ready to respond, but says it remains committed to free and fair markets within a healthy and competitive landscape. Nalid S A B C News, Johannesburg.
0: Economist Dr. Peter Leroux says increased restrenchments in the country are likely to push South Africa into an economic depression which was last seen 90 years ago. The economic disruption that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused has forced many companies to downscale or shut down. As the debt toll in South Africa increases and the lockdown continues, Dr. Leroux predicts that the impact of the country's gross domestic product will be significant.
9: The whole combination of impacts on the economy could be very severe. It's going to be a very deep recession and most likely it can develop into depression if it's not correctly handled. It might be the first depression since the one that we had about 90 years ago in 1929-30. we had a a debt to GDP ratio of about 32%, it's now over the 60%, close to 70%. It's much more expensive now for us to borrow money because
10: of the junk status that South Africa got a few months ago.
0: Germany will lift its general warning against travel to other European Union countries and associated Schengen states from the 15th of this month. They include Britain, Iceland, Norway, Liechtenstein, and Switzerland. The BBC's Jenny Hill reports.
9: Germans, it seems, will get their summer holiday after all. The decision to lift the travel warning for Europe will no doubt go down well in destinations keen to capitalise on the German holidaymakers who represent a significant proportion of the tourism market. The warning will be replaced by travel advice for individual countries based on local infection rates and healthcare provision. And there are significant exceptions. Germany will continue to advise against travel to Britain while a 14-day quarantine requirement stays in place, And Turkey, a popular choice for German tourists, also remains off-limits for now.
0: And Zambia's government says on Wednesday it had no intention of taking over belt Energy Corp, CEC, after the company accused the government of expropriating its power lines by saying others must be allowed to use them if they paid. Energy Minister Matthew Nkua issued a statement known as statutory instrument on Friday declaring the CEC power lines a common carrier and obliging it to transmit electricity on behalf of the players on agreed terms and conditions. CEC, formerly a state-owned firm before it was privatized in the 90s, says the statutory uh, instrument and other steps taken by the government amounted to expropriation. For your financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 386.15 Nigerian Nara, 11.65 buzonabula Bula, 105.58 Kenyan Shilling and 18.24 Zambian Guacha. In Brits currencies, one U.S. dollar is trading at 5.24 nine a Brazilian rule, 68.82 Russian ruble, 74.87 Indian rupee, 7.10 Chinese yuan and at 17.26 South African rands. The US dollar is also trading at 79 pounds to the British pound and 89 cents to the euro. Now looking at commodities, gold is trading at $1,737 and platinum at $851 per ounce. And the price of brand crude oil is at $40.30 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Nusikle Zuma.
1: And that wraps up this hour of Africa Digest. Be sure to join us again for 1900 hours Central African time for more news from an African perspective. But in the meantime, should you want to get in contact with us, all you need to do is send us an email to info at channelafrica.co.za, send us a WhatsApp message to plus 27763003327, and you can also tweet us on at channelafrica1. Right now, though, taking us to the top of the hour is uh, some music, so be sure to enjoy